risen. Oh, first service beat you guys out. You can try to top him just as one last time only. He is risen. Oh, yeah, you just tore them up. I'm going to let them know next week. I'm going to say second service. You guys don't hold a candle to them. I want to talk about a journey. Everyone within the sound of my voice, whether you know it or not, is on a journey. You were born. How many here were born? The majority of you. Some were spawned. Some were, you know, I don't know. But we're all on this journey that we call life. We were born, and someday, every single one of us is going to die. Sorry to break the news to you, but it's my job as a pastor to speak the truth. And every single one of us is going to die. We don't know when. We don't know if we're going to reach 102. We don't know if it's going to be a tragedy like the uh, angel's picture in his accident uh, just last week utter tragedy right at the pinnacle of of where everything's going we don't know but one thing's for sure everybody here who can hear my voice is on some journey and whether you believe in god or not god wants to join you on that journey it maybe you do believe in god you've known him forever you've known him since you were this big and guess what he wants to go deeper Maybe, maybe you're, you're looking at the baptisms going, man, I felt that same thing, that, that, that burning in my heart. I don't know what that is. Guess what? God wants to join you on that journey. So what I want to do is I want to look in the scriptures in Luke chapter 24. And if you, if you have a Bible in, in, the, in the chair in front of you or whatever, just open it up to Luke. If you go to probably like 80% done with the scripture and open it up, you'll be somewhere around there. And uh, it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, if that helps at all. But I want us to see two guys. We don't actually we don't know if they were both guys. We know one was a guy. One could have been a girl and see their journey with Jesus. OK. You could just make sure not a peep. Got That's fantastic. Oh, one other thing while I'm berating my children in front of everyone. Um, could you turn off your cell phones if they're on? Unless you're a brain surgeon and there's like a surgery that's just about to happen, uh, just uh, go ahead and turn, turn those off or put them on vibrate. That would be fantastic. What happened was Friday night, Jesus dies. He's brutally tortured. He's insulted. He's spat upon. He's crucified and he's buried. And then Sunday... He rises from the dead, but not everybody knows about it. And this is a story about two people who go from Jerusalem to a little town called Emmaus, which is about seven miles away. And we're going to pick it up right here in Luke chapter 24, verse 14. They were talking with each other. These are the two guys about everything that had happened as they talked and discussed these things with each other. Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. I want to just mention a couple things right here. Number one, this was this was normal in that day with that culture. If you were walking on the road, everybody walked wherever they went. When you'd walk, people would just come and join you and you just discuss. This was a a normal everyday occurrence. Strangers would just come up and you'd get to know them, talk with them, walk with them. It was good for safety. If there were robbers, you'd have a lot of people with you. Okay, so this all of a sudden they're walking along and it says they're talking and discussing, and a really a better translation for that uh, would be that they were conversing and disputing. 
a lot had happened within those past three days. And I don't know if any of you guys watch television at all, but uh, sometimes if you turn on MSNBC or CNN or Fox News, whichever one you're into, uh, you'll see people doing just this. They're conversing and they're disputing. You little talking heads, something happens, the president does something and everybody's got something to say and they're back and forth and back and forth. And what does this mean for our economy? What does this mean for that? What does this mean for that? This is what they're going through. These two people. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. Now, I I want us to get the picture here because it's vitally important for us to understand the story of what is happening here. It absolutely makes no sense at all. Jesus is born of a virgin. This isn't a Christmas message, but we'll just start from the beginning because it's easier. Right? God sends his son. Fully God, fully man. I don't understand it, but that's the way it happens. He lives and then has three crazy years of ministry. He's healing all sorts of people. We've read, uh, for those of you who are visiting, we're going through the book of Matthew, and we've read two stories about how he feeds 5,000 people, then 4,000 people. Most likely those were just men. It was probably many, many more thousands of people than that. Crazy things going on. And Jesus gets all the way up to his death and he dies. They crucify him. They have this mock trial that that, uh, wouldn't have stood up in any other court. And they they rush this through and they rush to judgment and they crucify him. And he raises from the dead like he said he would, like the scripture said he would. And where do we find him? On the road with two knuckleheads. They're not even disciples. They're followers of him, but they're not even the 12. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were Jesus, it would be showtime, (laughs) right? I'd be kind of ticked, okay? You killed me and you were wrong. I'm fairly competitive for those of you who don't know me. Uh, And so I won, and so there's some trash talking that needs to be done, right? I just kind of show up to Pilate, tap him on the shoulder and disappear, freak him out a little bit. <laughs> then like when he walks into his thing, I'll just be sitting there. Uh, what? You know, see him freak out. You know, it'd be kind of like 24 where, you know, are you going to kill me? If I wanted to kill you, you'd already be dead. You know, <laughs> something like that. I'd be freaking out all the Pharisees. I'd be doing all this stuff. I'd probably show up in a fireball somewhere just because I could and it would be cool. But see, that's thinking all in terms of humanistic, competitive. I'm a jerk. That's why I do that, okay? (laughs) But to see the heart of God That all that takes place, that he lives this perfectly sinless life. And then he has all these miracles, shows all these signs, fulfills all this prophecy, dies, and then gets raised from the dead. And where do we find him? With two people on their journey. And what I want you to do this morning, I want you to begin to open your mind up just a little bit, wherever you are on that journey, and begin to think, where is Jesus going to engage with me? Could, could today be the day that God touches me in a way that he never has before? I, what I want to do is I want to look at these two guys. We're going to call them guys just because I, 
I don't know if they were or not, but it's easier for me. We're going to talk to these two guys. See, five things that Jesus does that I believe is absolutely critical that we see in our lives today. The first is this. He engages us where we are. So what, what happens is they're walking along and they're, they're discussing and they're disputing and they're doing all this stuff. And Jesus walks up and he goes, hey, guys, what are you guys talking about? That's what he says to him. In essence, that's what he says. What are you guys talking about? And here's what they say. They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? Are you, hello? Have, where have you been is essentially what they're asking. And, and, and let me tell you something. As we look at these questions, they're legitimate questions. And see, maybe, maybe as God engages with you this morning, your question is, where have you been? Don't you know what's been happening in my life? Where have you been the last 20 years as I've been going through this and this and this and this and this? You show up and you don't know what's going on? Jesus does know what's going on. And he engages with people where, they at or where they're at. You notice, he doesn't make them come up with their, you know, Figure it all out when you got it all figured out. Now I'll show up and I'll go, yeah, you finally got it. I'm Jesus. Let's, let's move forward on this. He engages them where they're at. You might not even believe in God. God wants to engage with you. You say, well, how can God do that if I don't believe in him? Just give him a shot. Begin to open your mind. Begin to think, what if this is really true? Maybe you like Christianity, you like church or whatever, but God wants to push you somewhere else. Wherever you are in this journey today, in the sound of my voice, God wants to engage with you where you're at, at a deeper level. So he asks, he says, what things? What things have been going on? Now, why does he do that? Well, God has been doing this all throughout Scripture. A good teacher asks good questions. So God begins to ask him, Jesus begins to ask him, what, what things? What's going on? What are you guys talking about? Where are you coming from? And God's been doing this. He did it with Adam. You remember when Adam sinned and he got the fig leaves and all that kind of stuff and he was all embarrassed and Eve was embarrassed? What did God do? He walked in the garden and said, Adam, where are you? Now, God knew where Adam was. He, doesn't, he had him on GPS. He's got us all on GPS. And Adam's right there. But he asked the question so that that person can begin to think, where am I? What's going on? It, it internalizes it. He says to when Cain killed Abel, he says, Cain, where's your brother? Another question. When he's with the disciples, the disciples, he says, who, does, who, do, who do people say that I am? And they give him a, a bunch of answers. And he goes, who do you say that I am? Another question. Elijah, great prophet, rains down fire uh, in the Old Testament and burns up the altar and makes fun of all the other prophets and pokes fun at them, trash talks to them and all this kind of stuff. Gets scared and runs away. And God says, what are you doing here? God asks questions. And, and can I submit to you that some of the questions you've been asking yourself might actually be the voice of God asking you that same question? Why am I going through this? God might be asking you the same thing. Why are you going through this? How am I going to get over this? He's asking the same question. How are you going to get over this? He engages where you are. Whether you love him with all your heart or you can't stand him and you don't believe he exists or whatever, God engages 
where you're at. And he's been doing that. So he says, what things? Why did Jesus ask this question? Well, it brings us to our second point. That not only does he engage where we are, he examines our perspective. So the people begin to tell, these two guys begin to tell him, or Cleopas does anyway. He says, about Jesus of Nazareth, they reply. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Right there is the key statement. We had hoped. Jesus essentially says, what are you talking about? And they're, what they're talking about is our hopes were dashed. That's what they were really talking about. That's why they were arguing and disputing, because there was emotion involved. A lot of times when I hear people talking about the, 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 what's going on today, and they're giving facts about, well, you know, the problem with government is blah, blah, blah. What they're really saying is, I'm scared that I'm going to lose my job. Or they're saying, I'm, I'm frightened that my marriage is going to fall apart. I'm scared I don't have security that I used to have in my 401k. You see what I'm saying? That's why Jesus asks these questions. He wants to hear our perspective. He wants to hear where we're coming from. And it's vitally important as we begin to try and listen to God and try and think, maybe this thing is really true. Maybe this resurrection thing really did change the course of the world. And I can have a relationship with God. What's your perspective? We've been talking for months about these two kingdoms. The kingdom of the world, which is our circumstances and the stuff that we focus on and the stuff that's written in the newspaper and the stuff that's on uh, talk radio and the stuff that's on the TV and the kingdom of heaven, which goes beyond everything we can see. It's kind of spooky. It's spiritual stuff. It connects with our spirit, with our very soul. And so as we begin to ask ourselves these questions, we, we, we get this combination of I'm scared about my future. And God's up here going, don't worry about your future. I got it. But he wants to hear our perspective. I used to do this at my old job. So what I'd do is, um, then something would happen in the news, and I'd pretend that I didn't hear about it. And so I'd go, they'd say, you know, it'd be something big, you know. And, and, and so like, like, we elected Barack Obama. I'm like, who's that? No, I, it wouldn't be like that bad. But, but I, I, I'd pick something, and I'd just go, wait, what happened? Because it was so funny to me, knowing all the facts, to hear how they described what I knew, how they described it. And you can learn a lot about a person on how they describe what's going on, right? Do you remember when George Bush, when they threw that shoe at George Bush, that guy threw the shoe at George Bush? Okay, so I pretend, I, I, don't, I don't lie and say I, I didn't know about it. I just say, what happened? And, what? You know, and they call me stupid and stuff. And I, I get a charge out of that. I don't know why. It's just funny. <laughs> but I could tell you how, how you describe that, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican. I could figure it out, right? The Republican, what does he say? Man, George Bush has got some fast reflexes. You know? <laughs> That shoe, that shoe must have been going 120. I mean, it was going. And he was just like a cat matrix. Shoe comes back down. You know, right? That's the Republican. And then, you know, and then he said something really funny after that. I mean, it was just a guy, that guy should be in stand-up. You know, oh, yay. Right? A little different when a Democrat tells a story. We shouldn't even be there in the first place. If I had a shoe, I would have thrown my shoe. If I, he should have thrown a cleat at him. I would have told you. I don't even know why. You know, it should have been a big boot. 
I haven't said anything. All my ass was what happened, okay? The independence, just like, whatever. So he hit him with a shoe, I guess. I don't really care, okay? So that's the independent. You can kind of figure it out, all right? Libertarians, just like, oh, we got too much government anyway. All right, so... This is what Jesus is doing. He's asking a question. What happened? You describe it. Let me see where you're coming from. Let me see your perspective. And as I begin, as you begin to ask yourselves these questions, your answer is going to show if you're down here or if you're up here. It's critical. It's critical to see. So they say they get it right. He was a prophet. He was powerful in word and deed. The chief priests and rulers handed him over. But we had hoped... I, I hoped it was going to work out. I, I wish it had worked out. And, and sometimes this is where God meets you, in this place. You have a marriage, and when you got married, and you looked into each other's eyes, and it was all magical, and he was all ripped, and you, you were hot, and everything was great. And all of a sudden, over the years, bloop, you know, and now he's on the couch. He's got a remote control in one hand, and, you know, he's got a hand in the bag of chips in the other. And you're going, what? This is not what I had hoped. Or you start a new job and everything's going great and then you get another boss, all this kind of stuff. This is where God wants to meet you. How are you dealing down here with your circumstances? See, when you're downcast and your hopes are dashed, that's where you're looking. And God wants to just take your chin and go, you know what, there might be something more. But he wants to hear our perspective. Number three, he encourages us to move forward. He encourages us to move forward. This is very important. Because see, when God engages with you on your journey, okay, and he begins to ask your perspective of what's going on, he's not concerned with you just staying there. I don't care where you are. You might be the pastor of a church. God doesn't want you there. He wants you moving forward. He constantly wants to encourage you to think deeper, to go deeper in relationship with him, to spend more time with him, to spend less time thinking about this and more time thinking about this. Can you this morning set this aside? As we go through the fact that maybe Jesus was raised from the dead, maybe he is the son of God, maybe you can have a relationship with God that's unlike anything you've ever saw before. He encourages us to think that way, to move forward that way. So what does he say? Well, he says something that's very intolerant. He doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say, wow, that's a very valuable perspective. I appreciate that. And we're all entitled to our opinion. And so uh, I'm very happy for you that you're coming to those conclusions. May God bless you and that hopefully you'll come to the right thing. Here's what he says. How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things, then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. See, this is where it gets kind of hard. Everybody wants a relationship with God. Everybody wants to engage until the person says, you're an idiot. And then it's like, oh, wait a second, right? I have someone very dear to me who's gone through about five friends because 
they start off with the sob story about their life. Blah, blah, blah. I, I'm probably one of those friends that they've gone through. They go through the, all this, and so you hear, and oh my gosh, it's tragedy. Uh, no one should ever live the terrible life you've lived. But then as you spend time, you start to see, well, well they're a little self-destructive. Oh, they've cut these. Hey, you know, there's two sides to every story. And finally you go, you know what? I think you might be the problem. Oh, oh. You know, I, yeah, I used to hang around them, but... You know, they've stabbed me in the back, right? On to the next friend, on to the next friend, on to the next friend. Okay, we've all seen that. Some of us have friends like that, right? I have a friend. I, he's just the opposite. I call up and start to complain, and he says, you're the, I don't even get to finish, and I'm the problem, okay? So it's fun to marry someone like that. Anyway, so my point, my point is, no, I'm, I'm, I'm joking around. I'm joking around. No, Okay. Right? Well, guess what? Those people who are willing to do that are the ones that love you. Did you know that? I know it's hard. Now listen. Hear me, please. Because if God's speaking to you this morning, one of the things he's trying to say is, I love you so much, I don't want to let you continue on this journey without the truth in your life. And so he says to them, Look, it's all in the scriptures. Now, this is so fascinating because Jesus is in his glorified body. Now, I don't know what he looked like, but I figure he has a cloak on or something, you know, kind of a little Star Wars action there. And he's kind of walking with them, you know, and they can't tell. He could have easily said, Taha, you know, and you guys are wrong. I'm alive. Yay. But where does he go? To the scriptures. Because he's going to be gone one day. Actually, we're going to see pretty soon. He's going to be gone real soon. And he doesn't leave them alone. He leaves them with the scriptures. This is why we meet every Sunday to celebrate what's in the scriptures. To say, what is that? What is, how can God talk to me this week with, with his word? I mean, we can come here and expect a huge fireball and all this kind of stuff. But that isn't the way God speaks. He speaks through his word. Now, sometimes there are great things, great revivals and great miracles. I love them. I I would love for this church to experience just an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit that is just an anointing that goes beyond anything we've ever seen. I pray for it. Almost daily, I pray for that. But until that happens, we go to the scriptures. And when that does happen, it's just going to confirm what's in the scriptures. Okay, so Jesus does that. He encourages us to move forward. And there's going to come a time in your life, and it may be right now, that God corrects your thinking. That you begin to think a little differently. Man, if if I have a relationship with God, if this really is eternity, what does this really matter? That's a a question from God. What What are you doing? Who cares who's president? Who cares what your 401k... If this is true... If the eternal God created you and wants to have a relationship with you, has a purpose for your life, if it's really true, why are you downcast? Why are you looking at this stuff? Check out the scriptures. Oh, I, 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 need, I need to get that job. I need to get that job. I, I need to get it. And God says, no, no, check this out. Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer, and just keep praying to me. Let, let me know your request. 
And I'm going to give you a peace that's going to be way better than any job you could have. He corrects our thinking in this kingdom. Unfortunately, he says sometimes, how foolish you are. And I just ask you this morning, begin to think, is there a way I'm being foolish? I'm thinking about stuff that doesn't doesn't mean anything. In Ephesians chapter 4, I I don't have it up here, but I just want you to hear the first part of this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. God wants us to grow up. (laughs) That's the first part of the scripture. Amen, I think, right? To know the whole truth and tell it in love, like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. So how how do they respond to this? Him saying you're foolish. Well, this is number four. He elicits a deeper response. He wants you to go deeper. He wants you to look. He wants you to uncover every rock. So what happens is, as they approach the village to where they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day's almost over. So he went in to stay with them. So you can imagine Jesus. First, he just kind of appears to them, kind of freaks them out a little bit and says, what are you talking about? Then he begins to kind of just like walk, walk away. And he's sitting there, he's walking. Three, two, one. Hey, oh, yes, you know. He's trying to get them to go deeper, pretending he's going to keep walking. This is vitally important, guys, because when God reveals a truth to you, he doesn't want you to just stop there and go, oh, he wants to encourage you. He elicits a deeper response. What does that mean? So what happens is, in verse 30, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. And their eyes were open that they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. That, that Greek language in there is when his eyes were open, they fully understood. They'd heard the scriptures. They'd walked with Jesus. They all of a sudden, oh, I got it. And then what does he do? He's gone. What? How? What? They come to an understanding and then he's gone. Why? He wants them to go deeper. He wants them to go deeper. See, when we make a decision for God, when we say, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you with all my heart, like we saw with these baptisms and the two that we had in the first service this morning. It's not just that. Oh, I'm going to follow God. Then God says, really? How? Let's go. Let's go on the journey. Let me take you deeper. Let me, let me, let me show you all the things I have for you. Let's set our eyes on this kingdom. The way Jesus prayed this is he said, He said, um, thy kingdom come. In other words, what you see up in this kingdom, let it radically transform this kingdom. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what he prayed. That's what he wants. He elicits a deeper response. So we hear from God. We hear the scriptures. We open it up. We maybe read a book. We maybe have someone at, 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 at work that's talking to us. And we say, man, that's pretty neat. Don't stop. Don't stop. God wants to continue on this journey wherever you are. Maybe you've known the Lord for a long, 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 long time. And your relationship with him looks a certain way. He wants to mess it all up. Come on. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? How are we going to bring revival into your life? How are we going to make it real? You know what? I love the fact that you're in the word. I love the fact that you're praying. I love the fact that you almost stepped off the edge of the stage and broke your leg. That was frightening to me. 
Right? You know when you get that rush of adrenaline? It's like, whoo, that was scary, okay? He's saying all these things. I love this. I love the fact that you're in a small group, but here's what I want you to change. I want you to start being more bold in your faith. I want you to start talking to strangers. Oh, my. Oh, oh. yeah. So we're going to mess it all up. We're going to start this journey as though it was your first day. Come on. Let's go. That's what he wants. Now, again, I, I can't. I was trying to come up with an example of how crazy it is that Jesus is wasting his time with these two guys. And I couldn't think of an example except this. <laughs> That he's wasting his time with two guys. Because it's crucially important for us to see the heart of God. That he wants to waste his time with you. Cleopas. Never heard of this guy in the Bible and never hear from him again. He wants to meet you on this journey. You may have never considered giving your life over to God. This might be it. You might be going, man, this is all new new to me. Allow yourself to have your eyes open to what's up here, not down here. So he elicits this deeper response. And then he leaves. Couldn't he hang around and just give him a few more instructions? Why does he leave? Well, it goes to our fifth and final point here. He expects risk. See, this life with God is not a religion where we just go, well, let's see. Okay, I used to work out Sunday mornings, but I guess now I can go to church, and then I can move my workout up to 3 in the afternoon. Yeah, that'll work out okay. Okay, yeah, it sounds real great. That's not what he wants. He wants everything. What? Everything? Yeah. And there might be times where all of a sudden he just disappears, and you go, wait. I felt so close to you. Now I don't feel close to you anymore. And he wants to urge you farther and farther along. Watch what happens to these guys. Now, understand, they they tell Jesus, they say, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And watch what they do. Remember, they wanted Jesus to come in because it was getting late. You don't travel at night in that area. Number one, there's robbers around on these roads. And number two, the roads aren't paved like ours. They're dangerous. Well, what do they do? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. They found the 11 and those with them assembled together saying, it is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. They immediately took a risk to follow Jesus. They immediately got up and said, our lives are never going to be the same. Their lives were never going to be the same. First, they were sitting down, having a dinner. Their eyes were open. In other words, they completely understood. If you look at that old language, they completely understood what was going on. And it radically changed their life right then. Let me tell you something. God can radically change your life in an instant, in a second. And it will never, ever be the same. But unfortunately, a lot of times we look for that big thing, the big fireball, the big... And God doesn't work that way. It's a journey. He meets us where we are. He listens to what we're we're going through. Then he explains why we're incorrect. And then he says, come on, let's take it deeper. Let's take it deeper. 
and our heart burns with us and we know it's God and we try to fight it and we try to make excuses and we say, I don't really like my aunt. She's all into that kind of stuff and she's freaky and I don't really get it and all that stuff. We try to put it aside. We try to put it aside. But God keeps asking us a question. Where are you? What are you doing? How's it working out for you? What, what, what are you so concerned about? Because he wants to meet us. He wants to have a relationship with us. And as the worship band comes back forward, I I have a question for everybody here, every single one of us. Where are you on your road with Jesus? Where are you? Maybe, Maybe you're, all you've been thinking about is what's been going on in your own life. You've been kind of selfish. You've been worried about the next thing and who the next boyfriend or girlfriend or wife or job or, or, or whatever. Where the next exciting thing's going to be that, we can, that you can plan. Whatever it is, you're just sitting there going, ah, oh. and maybe that's where God wants to meet you. And he says, you know what? When has that ever really satisfied you? And that's the question where God wants to meet you. Maybe you've been going for a long time. You, you've been coming to church and things have been going good. You feel good or whatever. But God's going, you know what? When are you going to get rid of that thing that I've been telling you to put aside? That those chains, those, those things that hold back, the alcohol, the gambling, the whatever, the gossip, the need for acceptance. When are you going to put all that aside? It's time to go. It's time to take another step to go deeper. Maybe you're a pastor of a church, super spiritual, right? You've done everything. And God says, let's mess all that up. We're going to go in a totally different direction now. No matter where we're on the journey, God has the same question for us. Where are you? Where are you coming from? And here's what I want us to do, because I don't want us to miss this opportunity. When these guys first started out on their road... What were they concerned about? Well, the things that had taken place in the last three days. Jesus, three days before that, or that Monday, I'm sorry, had ridden in on a donkey and thousands of people had put down palm branches and coats and stuff and said, he's our king, this is it. Then he went into the temple and he just knocked it over, just started throwing stuff all over the place. Then he started teaching and it started ramping up. Then he gets betrayed in the garden and then he gets beaten and spit upon and mocked and then he gets crucified. All these things that were happening down here. And where do they end up? They're running back to Jerusalem in the middle of the night going, it's true. It's true. 